we are it today i don't know if you know excuse me sorry <clears throat> i'm so excited i'm beside myself i don't know if you know what today is today is actually the birthday the earth strong the born day of one of the greatest leaders in the pan-african movement right so this person is someone who if you don't know who he is you better go find out he is the honorable marcus mosiah garvey jr and he came to us on august 17 1887 political jamaican political activist publisher journalist entrepreneur and orator he was the founder and first president general of the universal negro improvement association and african communities league commonly known as the unia through which he declared himself the provisional president of africa ideologically ideologically excuse my pronunciation a black nationalist and a pan-africanist his ideas came to be known as garveyism and if you didn't know you need to find out okay because this man his mark on history is irrevocable right the work he did what did we really do with that now let me tell you a little bit more about him he was born in St. Anne's Bay, Jamaica, to Marcus Mosiah Garvey Sr., a mason, and Sarah Jane Richards, a domestic worker and farmer. All right, you hear what I'm saying? This was a real person, a real life person. And he come into the movement and he challenged white supremacy head on, right? We're not talking about somebody who had money. We're not talking about somebody who had privilege. We're talking about a black man who say, nah, we don't have to live so. We don't have to live like that. So before we go on, CJ here, this is the sound of black and brown. And with us is Manuel Camacho. We're gonna jump into Marcus Garvey because guess what? He still matters. He still matters to this day. I'll give you a couple quotes. The black skin is not a badge of shame, but rather a glorious symbol of national greatness right here's another one always try to associate yourself with people from whom you can learn something all the knowledge that you want is in the world and all you have to do is go seek it right here's another one and this has been the rolling theme of this week a people without the knowledge of their past history origin and culture is like a tree without roots now i keep saying that we have to pay it forward while we as the more tenured activists right we're here in this space the black and brown social justice space and we're fighting for our rights but we must never forget that we have the younger ones not only looking at us but learning from us right and we have to be conscious of that and i truly feel there's so many mental wellness effects of covid so many that we are yet to truly acknowledge and recognize right and a lot of that has to do with us in our own skin because prior to covid you know we were talking about shutting down the police you know people were taking it to the streets black and brown people were out there in masses they weren't representing republicans or working with a bunch of italian people they weren't sitting there and saying oh yeah i'm gonna go ahead with this bipartisan shit and just make the Republican 
party bigger. They were fighting. They said, no, we're not taking it no more. They didn't need the white people to lead them. They said, okay, we will work with you, but we need to lead our march, right? Let me hit another one here from Marcus Garvey. Never forget that intelligence rules the world and ignorance carries the burden. Therefore, remove yourself as far as possible from ignorance and seek as far as possible to be intelligent. Our friend here, Manny Camacho, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, here, loving, loving all the great uh, information that's coming from you, all the amazing knowledge you're putting out there. So I'm just listening. <laughs> Manny, you always have an opinion. Don't don't listen to him. This is what we love about Manny. This young soldier here, right? He has been really educated me too on things that I either didn't know enough about, didn't even know existed. Or could use some more knowledge, you know what I mean? Or brushing up. That's okay. That's the beautiful part about welcoming knowledge, right? And I felt it right that today I really wanted Manny to be here because we have to respect the younger ones and what they're seeing from us. Because right now, I don't know what to tell you. I'm looking at my generation like, what the, the fuck is wrong with you? Right? Because I think that we lost sight of our own vision. And Manny, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on, you know, what have we done since? Well, first of all, how about you tell us your thoughts on Marcus Garvey and his work? Yeah, um, Marcus Garvey, I, I think he was an exceptional man. Um, he, a lot of his ideas, uh, many things he said, uh, I definitely give him credit for, for being uh, very ahead of his time, really. Um and, and what do I mean by that? I mean, I'll mention a few specific things, right? Um, the fact that his idea, right, of black nationalism, uh, including unity and pride in the African cultural heritage, right, is something that we're, have definitely seen, you know, recently in the past 10, 20 years, right, is like this uptake and and being proud of the african culture right having uh, having pride and and our skin color and the hair and the music and the food and the, right just a really really strong uh and, and solid pride right in the cultural heritage um and the fact that he was saying this you know back in 1919 1920 right and here we are 102 103 you know, years later, right? And the things that he was talking about back then, you know, actually is present now, right? Uh, so he was very ahead of his time. Uh, I think he was very exceptional. Um, I mean, I also, I, I want to, again, be specific on like the things that, you know, I, I admire about him. Um, uh, it is like him expressing the message that, um, if African-Americans did not take action in regards to changing the perceptions of themselves, then, you know, like uh, not a lot of progress was going to come out of that, right? Um, and again, like that's what I'm saying, like he's very ahead of his time, right? Expressing the fact that African-Americans needed to find that pride in themselves, right? Needed to 
be comfortable, right, in their own skin, be proud of their skin, proud of their heritage, right? Um, I mean, even, uh, you know, as, as we hear the, the, the phrase today, right, um, and, and kind of in recent years, right, uh, black is beautiful, right, that phrase. I mean, he was even saying that back then, right, <laughs> you know, and, and trying to make that phrase a, a common, uh, common thing to hear. Um, so, you know, a very exceptional man, so ahead of his time with a lot of his beliefs and empowering, you know, the, the black community, uh, and getting them to be proud of who they are, um, and, you know, and take a stand in their own right. Facts, big, big, big facts. I mean, this is a man who told us all. If we as a people realized the greatness from which we came, we would be less likely to disrespect ourselves as one. If you have no confidence in self, you are twice defeated in the race of life. You hear what this man's saying? Here's our next one for you, Manny. God does not give people positions or jobs or good conditions such as they desire. They must do that for themselves. God does not build cities, nor towns, nor nations, nor homes, nor factories. Men and people do that. And all those who want must work for themselves and pray to God to give them the strength to do it. As you said, he was ahead of a time. That whole time, that whole time by itself was a time in and of itself. What am I talking about? We're talking about 1887. There's a lot that's happening here. Frederick Douglass, you know, just delivered his address and people are still thinking that they're in slaves because they were, they were. Slavery was still in full formation. And especially in the West Indies, where we do not talk up the impact of slavery because, you know, you have to think about the times too. People didn't take a jet blue from one country to another, right? Um, you know, your friend Columbus, got so skilled at recruiting slave and he got recognized for it too by the way right and established because it was a good thing to do that and what they would do is they would use the west indies to not only test out the slaves but also if you were a bad slave like a defective one you would likely get dumped there as would many other things such as food that was rejected medicines even military equipment very primitive shit Right. So you're still seeing it happening now with the birth control. Right. In the West Indies, we don't have the most updated forms of certain things or access more so to it. And it has a lot to do with, guess what? Slavery. Right. Here's another one. A race that is solely dependent upon another for economic existence sooner or later dies, as we have done in the past been living upon the mercy shown by others and by the chances obtainable and have suffered therefrom, so will in the future suffer if an effort is not made now to adjust our own affairs. The man was trying to tell you all, he was trying to tell you all, stop thinking the white man will give you the answer. That's what he's saying to you. He's saying to you, own your melanin. There's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. You don't need this white man to tell you what you can and cannot do. What you need to do is find out what you will and would not do. And then figure out what does and does not matter to you. Right? 
Here he goes again. I trust that you will live so today as to realize that you are masters of your own destiny, masters of your fate. If there is anything you want in this world, it is for you to strike out with confidence and in faith in self and reach for it. Earlier this week and even before that, Manny shared his dream and goal of, you know, running for mayor. Actually, I'd like to see him shoot even higher than that because I see that in him. But sadly, he is not confident that the community, the black and brown community will support him. Why? Because in the North, which is where became known for where all the quote free slaves would run to people in the North got comfortable. And then what they forgot or ignored is that white people. And when I say this term, say, I always have to give a friggin' disclaimer. When I'm talking about white people, if you start to get offended, tune out, I'm going to warn you right now, the contents of this show might be sensitive to some listeners. Don't come for us. You don't want to hear us talking our truth tune out. Don't don't go take it out on us on the job or at the school or in the streets. This is the problem. And that's what he was saying, right? We, we sit and we create these communities where we become reliant on another race, right? And now listen to his wording. He's wording it very strategically because he also was a believer in education, okay? A big time believer in education. And he believed that we are a people who were made to be ignorant and remain ignorant so that when we do encounter the other race, then we're like, oh, we must listen to them. And if you know West Indians in your community and also anyone who comes from South or Central America, you might notice that at first they're like all about, you know, they're trying to fit in in certain crowds and, you know, do certain things because in their minds from the little limited communication they've had about this shithole, they're thinking I must be, in agreement with the whites in order to do it white, I mean, do it right. So what I'm saying is, as Manny pointed out, this young, astute soldier in the movement, right, pointed it out right there for you, okay? He's saying it to you. Before, our, before his time, this man, just like Malcolm X, just like Martin Luther King, right, there were a lot of great, great, great pioneers in the black and brown movement right, that we did not acknowledge at the time. Fidel Castro died criminalized. You know, Che Guevara died criminalized. Some people still talking shit about Asada Shakur and the whole black, you know, black power movement, right? The Panthers, okay? Talking shit. Why? Because that's the easy way to derail our attention. That's the easy way for us to give people credit. That's the easy way to say, well, maybe Manny really shouldn't be mayor, you know, he is kind of young and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And what we need you all to do, and I'm asking you, me, I'm saying it. I need you all to cut that shit the fuck out. Because, you see, to all the Democrats, white, black, pink, purple, whatever you are, right? When you sit there and you encourage one of us to be taken down with one of theirs, and I'm talking about one of those little Republicans. And here's the thing with the Republicans. The Republicans hide in plain sight. They work for dental offices. They work for doctors. They are doctors and dentists and lawyers and police officers and everything else, right? They're everything else. So, you know, you got to think about that. You got to think about that. Think about that for a second, right? So when you're sitting here and you're saying that there's no power to the black power movement, to people like Marcus Garvey, 
You lost your friggin' mind. I see our friend 350 just joined in. 350, you want to bless the mic and tell us your thoughts on Marcus. Put it this way. One aim, one destiny, one goal. <laughs> That's what he said. Yo, you coming out swinging. Damn. Damn. You, yo, yo, peep that. This is what I love about three fifths, man. Three fifths. All right, check this out, y'all. So follow me here. You ever been to like a function? Well, back home we say function. Remember, I come from my little island that looked like a Timberland boot, you know? So we have very limited vocab to describe things. <laughs> Pretty much because we're too busy enjoying things too. My boy, three fifths, remind me of when you go to the dance, the function. And it has had a one fella in there. And he don't say much, you know. But when he talk, is a real mic drop moment. That's three fifths right there. He just come, say he peace, bless the mic, and he done. He finish. He done. He finish. He he's look look, fuck it, right? Like he did, right? And again, three fifths. What I was just saying is that we now have to get ready for the future. We have to get the manis and them at the table, and not only that, people. We have to protect them, empower them, and we have to also accept. They don't know everything. Stop measuring these people with, 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 you know, standards and shit that don't exist. Cut it the fuck out. Give them the room to be and grow and learn and be curious, but support them. I'm going to ask a question here. Before I ask the question, let me, let me read another quote here by Marcus. The man who is not able to develop and use his mind is bound to be the slave of the other man who uses his mind. Starting with you, Manny, what you feel about that quote right there? Yeah, um, you know, how I interpret that right is um, to not only one, uh, be someone who seeks out knowledge, right? Uh, and, and to keep learning because there's one thing that I always emphasizes each and every day is a day to learn something um no matter how many years go by right no matter how old you are um so attain that knowledge right once it's obtained um use it right don't don't just say okay i have the knowledge i learned you know whatever i learned all right now i'm done no uh in you in, in receiving that knowledge and obtaining that knowledge now it's up and hopefully ideally use it towards something beneficial you know use it in a positive manner use it to actually do something um and so again and, and now furthering that right that quote to the person who obtains knowledge and continues to obtain knowledge but never applies it right or applies it in a negative manner in a not beneficial way you're wasting that knowledge you're wasting it absolutely three-fifths i'm looking at you now how you feel about that? Oh, very powerful quote. In fact, Carla G. Woodson also used similar quotes. If you look into 
the quotes of black nationalism, you, you see some of the quotes. But, you know, let me just tell you this, as I've told you before. My grandmother was the secretary of Marcus Garvey. She was born in 1900. And 1932, Marcus Garvey had a rally at Madison Square Garden. And she went and listened to him. And that's how she wound up, you know, being one, one of the secretaries. Not the main one, but she worked at the, the, the uh, African movement. And uh, she told me a lot. And he was very powerful. But like I said, that quote, and like Brother Manny said, you know, it, 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 we never stop learning. We don't. We don't. But I do like his quotes when he spoke about black leadership. How they, He said, I would never buy a cigar and another smoking man with how black leadership is today. And, you know, he, he, he was just a man before his time. And sadly, the boys tried to destroy him and later on had to apologize. They would call him monkey and all type of stuff. Because remember, he came here seeking, uh, what's his name, Booker T. Washington. He heard about Booker T. Washington was in Jamaica, and he came here to look for him. But he's a man not only of quotes, he, he did a lot of stuff. He, he, he was just a, a powerhouse. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, Ed. He's a complete, your, complete your, powerhouse. Your organization, Black and Latino, he brought in Carlos Cooks called the Black Dominican. Yeah, look him up. They, that was his protege son. He built a bridge with Latinos. A lot of people don't know that. Started with the Dominicans, with Carlos Cooks. See, in New York, they were called Garveyites. He had the first. See, when, when you mentioned your Caribbean roots, when Caribbean people came here, they lived in Harlem. They didn't live in Brooklyn and, and, and Flatbush as they did now. That's why the West Indian Day Parades were in Harlem. He put on the, on the, on his, uh, like, uh, like military reggae and would come down in cars. They had the parades in Harlem. And stuff. Listen, that man, Marcus, I am, and I don't know about everybody else, but I think you and I could say that a lot of people need to go back and really study Mr. Garvey. Here's something else he said. The thing to do is get organized. Keep separated and you will be exploited. You will be robbed. You will be killed. Get organized and you will compel the world to respect you. How you feel about they speak for themselves. In fact, we see, we see that we see that today. We, we see that today. You know, it, it's it's like I said. He, Marcus Garvey was like a saying like Panasonic, slightly ahead of our time. And and he was back then again. He was he was ahead of the times. But unfortunately, it was Black Judas Goats that sold him out, got him arrested, and stuff. And if I'm not mistaken, his grandson lives in Hartford. His grand, I think the grandson is alive, Julius. I didn't know him, but I, I knew of him. And I think he, he's alive. But yeah, he, he was just a man of his time. And let me tell you, there's a little secret. His wife, Amy, was, was just as heavy as he was. Do some research on that. His wife was just as heavy as he was. I'm glad you said that because Marcus was married twice, right? And yes, both sir. his wives actually were pretty and are still powerful. Right. Marcus himself became a trade unionist back in 1908, and he took on the leading role in the printers union strike. Right. Um, so this man from a very early age, then, you know, he was on the watchman. Right. People don't understand. This man came in at a time you had to look at, like I was just saying before you called in, Ed, that you think about the times we're not talking about 
2003. We're not talking about this year. We're talking about 1910, 1908. So many things were still going on relative to slavery and the oppression still happening today. But back then, even worse. And here's this man involving himself in the first nationalist organization in Jamaica, the National Club. You understand? This man saying, I'm going to go to Costa Rica. All right. And I'm going to figure out what's going on with economic hardship. Okay. And then La Nash, the National La Nacion, right, was released. Okay. And he was part of that because he gave coverage of the a local fire where he questioned the motives of the fire brigade. You have to think about why that was impactful for Costa Rica. He also went on to Honduras, Ecuador, Colombia, and Venezuela. He traveled through Central America. This is happening in 1911. All right. He didn't take JetBlue. He didn't take Delta Airlines. He traveled on a boat to these countries where he would not be speaking Spanish or his Spanish would not be to the native, you know, the, the local you know, language and so forth, the dialect, whatever, slang words and so. But he still did it. Do you all see the intersectionality there? For all y'all who swear that Central and South America and the West Indies disconnected, did I not tell you all, learn your friggin' history. Follow the food. Follow the food. This man went right to Central and South America, okay? And he stood up for the workers. The matter... His, his mother was a domestic worker. What you think was going to happen? The father was a mason. He ain't come from no damn Beverly Hills. Here the man. In fact, in fact, yes, he go ahead. He had a quote that fit you, me, and Manny. He said that uh, those who, who desire to serve the Negro people must be prepared for criticism from their own race. I do not organize the universal improvement associated without calculating the cost. And the uh, cost is the ingratitude of Negroes who we are serving. The ingratitude doesn't concern me one bit. Garvey will not be disappointed about uh, anything. My work is cut out. And he called, he called some of the people out. He was right. He was right. Bottom sold him out. Sold him out. But let me tell you, that's a tale as old as slavery. Right? Yes. A tale as old as slavery. Okay. And people need to understand that back when he, back in 1914, when he was in England, UK, Muhammad Ali employed him, right, to be a writer for the magazine. And he enjoyed it. Then he went, I told you, he went on this big tour and he went to different countries and he would come back to Jamaica. And each time he would come back. And like you said, his goal was one aim, one God, one destiny. 1914. He launched a Universal Negro Improvement Association African Communities League, right? This is a big deal. Let me tell you something. From all you all from the West Indies, because all you don't get to just talk about Jamaica, cut it the fuck out. Plenty of you all sit there and bleach up your skin and want to look white and listen to what this man's saying and doing. Be comfortable in yourself. Cut it the fuck out. I'm going to ask you first, Ed. Do you feel, based on what Marcus Garvey put out there, right? What have we really done? It's sad. The leadership that knew these lessons here, I always have a saying. Back then, 
there was conscience and no money. Now there's money and no conscience. Um, leadership, unfortunately, now back then and there, back here now, they have sold their souls. You know, when you study like Garvey, King, and Malcolm, they died broke. Marcus Garvey died broke. He didn't charge, and now you got leadership now charging twenty thousand. You go to speaking engagement fees and all. I mean, like I said, I, I stand with Manny, and like me, we talk off the air sometimes, and you let him know he is going to be a leader. He, he, he. That's who I want. I said, we getting older. I ain't with a king yet. But I want I want that young young brother right there to keep studying and to lead and to get his other followers and get 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 his following going. That's who that's who's gonna have to pull us out. That's who's gonna pull us out. And I stand by that. You keep doing what you're doing, young brother. I'm telling you. You know, you keep doing it. And if, if there's gonna be some that ain't gonna follow you, but don't worry about it. I, listen, Ed, I can't even, I can't hold back on, on jumping in here to really like, brother, you see, this is why you had to respect three fifths, man. Thank you so much for saying that to this youth, man, because it pisses me off every time, you know, I think about it, that this young soldier really, he already knew when he go to run for something, they will try to run him off. But guess what, Manny? Now you're rolling with a different set, right? And time. And as you evolve, you are really before your time, but that will show itself too. And as he said, right? Yes, Marcus said the same thing, prepare for the disappointment. You have to do that. I had to do it. I still have to do it. It never stops. We've been talking about that a lot lately, right? The movement and the dynamics of it. And I am, I am very dedicated to talking about that because I think that People have this illusion that everything in the movement goes so succinctly and that really the black people don't get and the brown people don't get the front line and get the celebrity and all this other shit because they're just not doing enough. They're not educated. They're, not, they're always something not enough. But what if it is that it's not that we're not enough, but we don't realize how much we are. Manny, I'm looking at you now. How you feel about that? What have we really done in your opinion? since Marcus Garvey's time? Um, first, first, I just, I want to express such a sincere uh, gratitude for both of your words uh, of support. Um, actually, as it was being said, thankfully I was on mute because it actually brought a couple tears to my eyes. Uh, just, just sort of, of appreciation, you know, just of appreciation. Um, so I, I just want to thank you both for, for those words. Um, right. I agree with what three fifths said, you know, um, it, it's so sad to see that, you know, during the civil rights movement, during such a progressive movement, uh, where a lot of actions were taking place with such powerful leaders in their own rights. Um, and, you know, these leaders had knowledge and confidence and determination and everything that makes a great leader, right? And they were going to all these different speaking engagements and, and just doing all these things, but never, never, never caring, right, about money, right? Doing it solely for the purpose of doing what was right, of, of furthering justice, of you know, bringing equality and equity and, and just 
you know, a, a better place, you know. Um, that's what they were focused on. But now, now, you have these leaders, you have these influential figures, right, who before they're willing to even uh, engage in a discussion about doing something or being a speaking engagement or anything for that matter, they want to know what's in it for them. Oh, money, money, money. Oh, God. Three fifths, I had to find myself, you know. This boy coming to start something here. Money. <laughs> Listen, I found him. That's right. Start it. <laughs> but no, it's true. And, and, and you know, I, again, I've witnessed it firsthand. You know, I've, I've absolutely witnessed it. Uh, you know, where they literally ask, what's in it for me? And again, astounded. I mean, I'm astounded because, you know, how I've always done things and how I make sure I will always do things is the only thing that I want from anything I do is to know that whatever I'm doing is solely for the benefit of others. Literally, that's what I want from it. Like, I, I don't, th there's nothing greater that I can receive. No, there's no price of money. There's, I mean, you can give me the riches of the world if you offered it to me. There's nothing greater to me and the years that I've been doing this and the years that I will do this than knowing that whatever I do, whether it's a speaking engagement, whether it's a giveaway, whatever, whatever it's doing, whatever I do, the greatest reward for me is knowing that maybe, just maybe, because it's never really a guarantee, but maybe that what I've done in that moment or what I will do makes someone's life just a little bit better. That's all that's in it for me. And it's the greatest reward I could ever ask for. And it's the only one I ever will ask for, really. You are too kind. You know what? A friend of my son was at Howard, and they had a protest. The alumni of Howard, there was a meeting there. Alumni had the nerve to walk by, didn't even ask them what was going on. One did, and he said he swung back and got on the line with them. But that goes to show you, like you said, the, the older ones now, it, it, it's, 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 you know, uh, yeah, that, that stuff worked back then and there, but, you know, we don't need that now. We need uh, entrepreneurship. We need, uh, like, they're going to have a good old black Wall Street, not knowing that the real Wall Street is entirely different than the one you want to have now and stuff, you know, but it, it's, it's, like you said, it's, it's sad. But, That's Ed, as you, you see, you're trying to start trouble now, Ed. Because the truth is, we are Black Wall Street. The minute you walk out that door and you buy anything, you are the economy. I hope you all know that. They need us to remain poor and to continue consuming so that Kim Kardashian could profit from that. So that all these people could profit from that. And we need to do a better job of respecting and empowering each other. That's but, but you know what? If you take a look, look at the centurion billionaire. Look how Highland Crowe was buying Clarence Thomas, but yet Tyler Perry worrying about BET. See, Highland Crowe is buying liberation, 
for the upper oligarchs. Tyler Perry has become like metropolis. These these billionaires are not by are not doing anything to, to change laws among our people. They're busy, bro. We'll buy property, we'll buy a basketball team. But the white oligarchs, they buy they buying the stuff left and right. They buying judges. They buying governments. You know, I told a guy the other day, I, he was shocked. I said, you know, Putin has a PhD. Biden don't have one. I didn't know. He looked at it since, yeah, so he went to Harvard or some some things. But I think his PhD, I forgot what it was from, but he has a PhD. The guy is filthy rich. But what is he doing with his money? He's buying stuff for his people. And what they do is give us a couple That's of so friggin' sad. And that's facts, though. What you're saying is facts because... This is why the other day I started talking about Beyonce. I have, listen, for all y'all in the Bayhive, don't come for me. Do not do it, okay? Because my point is, it's not just her, it's all of them. It's Beyonce, it's Jay-Z, it's Puffy, it's all of them, all of them, right? Y'all get famous and you get this money. COVID happened, it's all over the place that the people heart is hit by COVID. The ramifications of COVID-19, financially, emotionally, everything you could think of were black and brown people. The first thing you do as soon as you get clearance that you find out that people could go back in community, Travis Scott having a big ass concert, right? And people dying because it was, you know, filled to capacity. Again, they built this community on ignorance. You'll celebrate these celebrities way too fucking much. And then you and look down on yourself. Know, a lot of people don't know. Aretha Franklin had a COINTELPRO programming because she bailed out of Angela Davis. Aretha Franklin's concerts, she gave free tickets. They, they, the FBI started watching her. She gave free tickets. Melba Moore gave out tickets. That's what the that was the entertainers back then and there. Now you know, hey, you got no tickets. Billy Holiday did it too. Remember, they destroyed her. Yeah. Don't forget Billy. And what did they do right after Ed? They destroy you, and then they stigmatize and criminalize you. That's how it goes. Because remember. We're supposed to be lesser, right? We're supposed to admire them. Like I said before, before cable came to the West Indies, right? We lived different. We didn't know nothing about Saved by the Bell and, and Beverly Hills and all that shit. We didn't know any of that. But the minute they get cable TV and they see America and there's, all you're seeing is white people on TV. But see, at the time, this is back in the early 90s that we finally gained bits of cable. Right. We only seen what, you know, the media is allowing everybody to see. Right. So people have to understand the concept of mental slavery. And this is why Marcus Garvey is so fucking important, because he challenged your thought process. Right. He said that he said you can't sit there and just expect this other race. Here's another quote. History teaches us no race, no people, no nation has ever been free through cowardice, through cringing, through bowing and scraping. But all that has been achieved to the glory of mankind, to the glory of the honor of races and nations, was through the manly determination and effort of those who lead and those who are led. That's some big words there, man. Yeah. He's talking talk about, talk about men. That's the people, the younger ones, the lead. Listen, right, right, listen, Manny, let me tell you something, in case nobody tell you this, you go and do great things, you know, 
you are on that trajectory, but you have to realize and accept it on that, on that, you know, journey because of the level of your greatness, they go and try to rip you down, brother. They go and try to take you down, my youth. His, his group is what they spoke of in the Bible. The meek is so inherit the earth. They, the younger the meeker. He, he, trust me. He gonna, he gonna move up. Oh, we know that. You and me know that, Ed. We know that. But we need, you know, not that we need money to know that. We need the community to accept that and uplift that. Because like I said before, pre-COVID, I want people to go mentally back, especially black and brown people and a few white people who still listening. I want you all to go mentally backwards and think pre-COVID. I will bring that up over and over purposely. Because remember, we were taking it to the streets. You didn't see our marches being led and flooded by as many white people as post-COVID. Let me tell you something. And I'll go and tell you today where you all could take your white saviorism and white guilt. Eh? We'll do a whole other podcast on that. We had to talk that separate because we have a young man in the room. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, choking, laughing, right? Because <laughs> you have to laugh. Because what did the white people, I went, again, I always had to give a disclaimer. If you get offended by what I just said, log off. Don't come for me. Go deal with your fucking self. Log off and look in the mirror and say, maybe I need to deal with my whiteness more. Maybe I don't need to get so scared every time black and brown people get power and get money. Because you see, you all use poverty as the main tool to separate us. Hence the reason why in 2023, to run for office, you ought to come with some serious cash. And even though we march in and we saying all these things, how come we're not calling that the fuck out? How come we're not calling out the fact that on a lot of these committees, Connecticut like to make committees and study this and study that, right? But when they create these committees to study everything, they always bring in the same players from the last committee who's usually old or not so old, white people with money. No sign of having any type of oppression, but because you went to school. And as a next thing, let's talk the truth here and shame the devil, right? Black and brown people are not stupid. Get it out your fucking head. There are so many of us. You see, we talk about unemployment, but let me tell you all, especially the two kings on right now, the three of us need to do a whole other episode on underemployment. All right, I will put on my economics hat because you all need to understand something. We have a lot of talented and educated brothers and sisters out there right now who are underemployed and living in poverty, not by choice, but lack of opportunity, support, and resources. Mm. I keep telling you all, you all need to look at the real unemployment. They're telling you that, oh, unemployment at six point this, that's bullshit. Why we have so many people living in poverty then? Get the fuck. I tell you, I just saw a thing last night on AI and the new voice control. You, you notice when you have Infinity Comcast, it's taking away reading and speaking. Because, like, you could take that remote, all you got to do is talk in it. I want to look at uh, CNN and the TV is going automatically. They're taking away, it's, it's make, it's, this guy was saying it's making us more lazy and pulling away from from reading. I thought about that. There's some truth. Now you got to do through the remote control and say, listen, it'll switch the channel for you. You know, I could only follow that with another Marcus quote. If you get up every day 
and you don't learn, you are a fool. I am not using AI. I'm going to admit to that. Part of the problem is, right, and Manny, stop laughing at me. My accent, apparently I have an accent. I don't know if you all knew that. I, I personally don't think so. But <laughs> shut up. <laughs> shut up. You know, everybody shut up. And I'm saying you? Right? No, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but every time I try to voice text, Ed one day, three first one day, I call, I text him something and he started laughing because I didn't realize until I look at it what I really voice text her. Eh? Syria asshole, right? Because you don't know all twangs, you don't know all accents, and that's not my fault, right? But you see that AI, it taken away the ability to think because as what you're saying, aside from messing up your speech patterns, it also reducing your um, tenacity to think. That's one of the problems I have with some of these computers and gadgets. There's some things that I like put together and then there's some things that I like to attach and do myself. Why? Because what happens if the one thing breaks? So what you going to do on that day when you can't talk to your remote no more? Just sit on and stare at the TV? I'm just asking. <laughs> I don't know. Manny, what you think about that? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Being, you know, and, and before I say this, you know, a lot of people would just automatically assume, you know, because I'm in, you know, the younger generation that, you know, I think it's the best thing in the world and, you know, technology, yay, AI and all that stuff. Uh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Because there's one thing I'm more for than technology is education. Right. And, you know, I've seen it so many times and it, it, it not only just absolutely mind boggles me, but also infuriates me that peers of mine, right, don't know how to spell, how to read and, and, and just form you know, competent and comprehensive sentences. And, and then I, you know, I, I'm thinking to myself, well, we're, we've been in the same classes for past some of them, some of them past seven, eight years. You know, I've been, I've been with some of these kids, you know, uh, peers of mine since fifth grade and have been in each other's classes literally all the way up until graduating high school. So I'm like, okay, it's not like, you know, I can question, well, where'd you get your education from? Because we got it from the same place. But what I then notice is very, very, it's a slight yet huge difference is that they become dependent and reliant on technology and this voice thing, you know, this whole voice texting, the voice speaking or, or being able to, uh, send the voice memos, you know, we just speak and it's a voice recording, you know, and, and that is what they're reliant on. So when it comes to them having to actually text or write, you know, or read for that matter, I mean, it's astounding to see that. And th again, this is not any offense to any of my peers at all. And I always, I mean, I, I have these conversations with them face to face. It's not any offense to them at all. But here you are, 17, 18, 19 years old, 
and your reading and writing comprehension skills is is that of a seventh or eighth grader, if even sometimes. You know, and and I remember, I mean, I remember being in a board of education meeting probably last year, and seeing the percentage and the statistics of how many kids in our entire district is on reading comprehension level. And when I saw how small that percentage was, you know, how, how, how small it was, like, again, astounding, but made total sense, you know, like reinforced what I was seeing. So, yeah, this whole, you know, use of AI, this use of voice recordings and voice texting, right? And we start to veer more and more away from having to actually you know, develop our writing skills, develop our reading skills and our, our you know, comprehension of, of the, you know, English language and alphabet and everything like that. I mean, it, yeah, my generation? And, and this fits in with Garvey because of key, like you said, the education. I'm going to tell you something real quick and we go back to Garvey. Also, that program shows how all these cars now are actually laid for manual grades. USB sticks back with a CD player. Some old people was in the state said, I want my CD player back. What's this thing? I gotta put a stick in here. So if you know there's a new car, it, it, all that's coming is through Tayson. It's a control of education in our mind. That's what it is. That's straight facts. I love that you yeah, said I, that. I, I love that you said that, three fifths. That's a very good friggin' point because one of the reasons why. I haven't traded my car yet is because I don't understand a lot of these new vehicles and I don't like it. I don't like that. I have to push a button to start my car. I don't feel safe that way. I don't feel comfortable. I like turning the key. I like putting in a CD. I like being able to select things. I hate having to drive and link things because then, you know, I, I hate to tell you all, but we're going to also be talking about infrastructure. That's a whole other conversation. And what it has done relative to poverty, because right here in New Hallville, they've used infrastructure to maintain poverty. And I'm referring right now to Comcast, right? Everybody in New Haven always have an internet connectivity issue. Don't matter what package you buy, you could have a satellite, you could have this, you could have that. You could even have the, the fucking cable man in, in your backyard. It don't matter, right? But when you look at the power lines and the cable lines, they're old, they're outdated, they're not meant to carry this amount of usage. Remember, now you're connecting phones, headset, everything connecting to Wi-Fi. It wasn't created to take all of that. And even when we opened up to all those different types and modes of communication, nobody said, oh, wait, maybe we should go back and fix the wiring. Maybe we should go back and make sure it is to the level. Infrastructure is part of what is used to maintain poverty. The signs of oppression and the chains are there. You just need to feel them and know them, right? One of the things that Garvey also said was, I trust that you will also live today as you to realize that you are masters of your own destiny. Masters of your fate. If there's anything you want in this world, it is for you to strike out with confidence to what he was talking about. Now, Ed, do you feel like since Garvey's time and the movement that he created and was, you know, the backbone of this man pioneered his shit, 
right? And it led into other movements. Did we improve anything? Did we make anything better? What did we do? Did we make it better? Did we proceed? Did we advance? Those of us that are conscious like we are here have advanced. Those that, that didn't study, that go back to Emmanuel saying you educationally, have not. They have not. I think I told you the story. Garvey, my grandmother asked Garvey about the ship. He, she said, well, the black star line, some, some people are not healthy. Garvey told her, well, we'll leave rowboats for our brothers and sisters to catch up. And that's what's happened. Again, it comes to the thing with there's, there's uh, money but no conscience and no study. Listen, you're you're spewing straight facts, you know that straight facts right there. You know, you know what I personally don't think that we have advanced. And you're talking to somebody who came here undocumented. Just for clarification, I didn't come here as a citizen. I wasn't born here, right? I was born in a country that looked like a Timberland boot, right? And I migrated here. I lived here undocumented for a while, and I also went through the documentation process. I previously said I didn't require a lawyer because I didn't have anything there that required that representation. And actually, the process itself is skewed towards those who come from more English-speaking countries, right? Now, that being said, I went through that entire process, and I was disappointed in America by the end. Because the truth is, the privileges you all have here, let me tell you something. I know how to use things like a washboard. I have used an iron, the old school iron, right? The iron for your hair and the iron for your clothes. I know how to use a clothesline. You hear what I'm talking about? Sometimes we used to have to carry buckets for water. Sometimes my mom and my dad wouldn't want me to go over to so-and-so house, my cousin and them. Because where they live in water does cut off at a certain time. You hear what I'm talking about? Or how about my family that had to bathe by a river? That's the only source of water. They have a general fucking river. They had to boil the water for everything. Bathing, eating, all of that. Right? This is the kind of country and surroundings I grew up in. Okay? When I came here and as I became involved in the movement, I was disappointed to see the reliance on whiteness. Very, very disappointed because I didn't come from that. And I'm not going to take off my skin to please people. And I'm not going to sit here. It have very little people could do to me again. That's a whole other conversation, right? They come hard, you know. Or they think that when we come out here representing our thoughts and ideas, it's not like when white people do it. When white people do it, especially a Yale student, they just get a feature in a paper and pictures and everybody ray raying about them and then twitter and all of that when we do it i don't know about her you know she you know she just said too much and her tongue does sting right when manny come out now he not supposed to say this and he not supposed to say that how you feel about sorry you cut out at the towards the end there i was asking how do you feel about what i just said can you hear me yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah. I was asking with all of that just said, right? Like the whole having to deal with the ins and outs of the movements and so like that. How do you feel about it? Yeah, right. I mean, like I like I expressed, you know, before, um, <laughs> you know, and, and 
me being in the movement for the time that I have, right, and the amount of times that I've wanted to address certain things and, you know, specific topics and, and raise awareness, concern about, you know, specific things I noticed were going on or, you know, things I wanted to address, right, and then being, you know, diverted, <laughs> right, and until you know, let's focus on this instead of what you're trying to focus on, right? Or just explicitly being told, you know, either one, that's none of your business, or two, well, you know, that's going to get you in trouble if you talk about it. So, like, just stay out of it, right? Or three, well, Manny, uh, that's that's too much of a big issue for you to talk about. or Just, like, being diverted any possible way, right? Um and again, against you, by people who look like me and you, right? We're not talking about these people who are like five shades lighter than me. We're talking about people who are either my, my, my shade or, or darker, right? And they're telling me, you know, what issues I can talk about, right, and should talk about. And despite there being issues and, you know, concerns that I have that are equally, if not more important, right, that I want to address, but then being told, you know, no, you can't talk about that. You shouldn't talk about that. That's going to get you in trouble. You know, people don't want to hear you talking about that. You know, all these different things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it definitely, right, in the beginning, you know, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, why that was being done. You know, because again, I, I started this work when I was twelve years old. You know, I was twelve years old when I started this. Uh, so being 12, 13 years old, and you know, being diverted from the things I wanted to address. Yeah, of course, I, you know, I wasn't keen and I wasn't aware of the the back dealings and the gatekeeping and all that, right? But obviously now, right, in the past two or three years, you know, well now being exposed to all that so many times and, and knowing what gatekeeping is and knowing, you know, why they don't want me talking about certain things or why I'd quote unquote get in trouble, you know, for, for bringing this person up or this issue or what happened, you know, in this meeting or whatever, right? I know now, and I know, and I can see the blatant, I mean, again, I don't want to call it for what it is, but we kind of have to, the blatant corruption that's in our own movement, right? Uh, from people who look like us, it always, it just infuriates me sometimes because these are the people who, you know, when I first started, Right, this twelve, this twelve-year-old little Hispanic boy, um, you know, who, who said his dream, who, you know, who I declared it in front of all these important figures and officials, right, that my dream was to make it to the presidency, right, of this country, and and fight my way all the way to the top, and these people applauded and congratulated and like stood behind me, and then when I started getting to the work <laughs> and doing exactly what I said I was going to do, right? Which was fight my way through everything and 
you know, leave no one, uh, you know, not held accountable for it, right? Then, yeah, you're not a problem until you're successful, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, only then when I started actually, you know, going forward and being who everyone knows who I am now, right? That, that, that one who's going to be on the front line and who's going to call out people for who they are and what they do. Then it was, okay, Manny, we support you. You know, don't get us wrong. We believe in you. We believe in what you want to do. But this. And, but you can't talk about that. And, but, you know, you should really stay out of this and everything. So, you know, it, yeah, being in this movement, right, there's definitely lots of chances for you to be deterred, for you to be blocked from doing what you want to do, um, for you to see people for exactly who they are, you know, when, when the time comes. <laughs> um, and, you know, again, if you don't have, like Marcus Garvey said, if you don't have the confidence in yourself, right, then, then that's it. I mean, that, that's the first loss right there, right? Forget all the battles you're going to come against doing the movement and, and being a part of it. If you don't have confidence in yourself, you know, when you look around and see that people aren't confident in you, right? Put those two together, no confidence in yourself and no confidence around you. I mean, it's, it's a double defeat. But if you have the confidence in yourself, you can still push through in the movement despite there being so many naysayers around you. Let me tell you something, Manny. I'm going to quote Marcus. Every man has a right to his own opinion. Every race has a right to its own action. Therefore, let no man persuade you against your will. Let no other race influence you against your own. You see to all these sambos, them black and brown gatekeepers and gaslighters, your day will come, you know, because they'll go use you like a tampon or a maxi pad, and when they're done with you, they're going to dash your way, you know. Don't think that when you're selling us off, you're just a paid slave. Part of their militia, right? You have a useful span. I will always have to give a shout to my main, main, main supporters. The whole reason why I put up with the fuckery from the bullshit, nonsensical shit, job-wise, to what happens on the street. And even like you said, Manny, in the movement, the fuckery I've had to deal with. And the two reasons why I could take it is my left and my right. My son and my daughter. You understand? Right there is the reason why I do what I do. Because you see, any and everything I could do to make their tomorrow better, they might know it, see it, or even acknowledge it. I don't even give a fuck about that. Y'all know me. The two y'all know me. You don't see me doing the whole commercialization. I barely show myself. You barely see me doing selfies and lives on you know, black and brown. There are other black and brown United in Action member. Three-fifths is one, right? There's several of them. But you don't see them because guess what? We're not about the camera. Why? 
Guess who narcotic is the camera? Fuck you all. And Manny, let me tell you something. You're hearing it from my mouth to your ears. And we have witnesses here. Baby, you go and make it to that presidential seat. All right? Three-fifths telling you, listen to the man. This is a, a smart fella, you know. Right? This guy right here. Right? He telling you, he believe in you. We believe in you. When you have soldiers like us in the dance, they could come, you know, bring it on. It's like Tupac say. He, Tupac say it. It have very literally all could do to me again. And that's facts. I spoke on yesterday's podcast. You and I, Manny, talk about what we were doing on the day of January 6th. And it was the first time the world found out that I almost got ran off the highway. Just like that. All because somebody didn't like seeing fuck Trump on a car window. And then on that same side of my car I would always have tire problems. You think that happened by mistake? You think when they take you out of programs or they, you know, all of a sudden you're having troubles finding or on the job. You think that happening by mistake? I'll give you another example. Out in Hartford, New Britain, people lost jobs because of their activism, black and brown people. What we need is more black and brown people. You don't have to be on the front line. You don't want to be on the camera. You don't want to go to a march. That's fine. I talk to the black and brown United people. My people don't want to do something. I don't force nobody, right? We're doing it, and we're doing it how we know to do it, right? When we need to lock it down and secure everything, we do that. We handle the fucking business. Trust that. When it's time to support each other, we show up. But again, we're not about the notoriety. We're not here for sure, you know, right? We're here for real, for real. And when you come to us and you say X, Y, Z happened, I need your support, all we ask is for you to do your part, and we'll help you best way we can. And what we don't know, we'll find out, right? If you didn't know that yesterday, and if you're just now knowing this today, Manny, you need to know it have people who support you, right? And again, because of your trajectory, because of where you're headed, you will have these barriers. Take it from somebody who lived it. You and I talked on the podcast earlier this week about complexion. Trefus was in that, that conversation too. And we spoke about, you know, the colorism that happens within our own community. The fact that our own people, you're saying it over and over again, the people who disappointed you the most look like you. What you think about that, Trefus? Well, that's, that's what they do. They, 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 send, they, they, send, they send them folks. And unfortunately, among our people, that's the highest rate. We are the high, highest rate. I mean, I get people inbox me and, you know, why are you starting trouble, man? You know, and, you know, you, you, you're talking that black stuff, you're talking Latino stuff. I said, because I, I was caged, brother. I was caged. I'm, I'm an old-time warrior. Now I'm more back. And I, like I said, my, my thing is that the young, that the young, the young people picked that, that mantle up and they went. Well, it's true. You know, we, it's true. It, it is true. You look up, they will always find us. Look look how quickly they can find the Candace Owens, the Larry Elders, the Jesse Lee Petersons. They can find them quick. Jewish friend of mine told me, and it's not offensive to Jews, we don't play that. We got a self-hating Jew, we're going to deal with him. <laughs> They'll tell you in a minute, they deal with their own like that. You don't see no Sambos among them, they don't play that. They don't play that. No, 
them Jews not playing that shit, and I'm not mad at them for that either. But you yeah. see, we have to learn. People, people got it where, you know, well, you know, you, you have to pray for them. No, I don't pray for my enemies, you know. If I was in the clip of Clarence Thomas, I'd push him off. <laughs> I'd have to. There's some, there's some samples I know right now that would, that would turn us in if it was a slave rebellion. And I got family members, elite black family members, I just don't associate with them. Because that's how they are. That's how they are. And, and you need to stop that. You know, you, you know, you, listen, you got it good. No, I don't have it good. Why? Because my people don't have it good. Said like a true soldier, Ed. You said that like a true soldier because it's facts, right? And Marcus Garvey spoke about that, what he's saying right now. A race that is solely dependent upon another for economic existence sooner or later dies, as we have in the past been living upon the mercy shown by others and by the chances obtainable and have suffered therefrom. So will in the future suffer if an effort is not made now to adjust our own affairs. Let me tell you all, now is the time to adjust your fucking affairs. Don't let them fool you. I keep trying to tell you all. They get scared when black and brown people come together and organize, you know. There's a reason for that. There's a lot of Republicans sitting in high spaces. I told you all earlier this week, a bus, not a two-door coupe, not a fucking scooter, not a bicycle, a bus, a city bus full of Republicans left from right here, Connecticut. Connecticut was a red state for a long time. Stop acting like they're not here. They are right fucking here. Pay attention. Today is the day Marcus Garvey was born. Learn from this man. If you didn't know who he was or didn't recognize his contribution, shout out to Jamaica, man. One of the greatest. You understand me? This man called out white supremacy in a way like no other. And he told black people, the only way you're going to conquer that is to recognize not only our affiliation in our own skin, but that with our peers who are brown. Get the fuck out of here, man. You see where he went to Central and South America? He went to St. Croix because another individual we know of called Hubert Harrison. See, just as powerful as Garvey. He was from St. Croix. Like I said, yeah, my, my West Indian brothers and sisters, again, were the ones that brought black nationalism to America. I mean, Martin Delaney was here, but it picked up more. And that's why in Harlem, black nationalism was a big thing and pan-Africanism. It's a very big thing in Harlem. That was part of the Harlem Renaissance. But unfortunately, it was those that looked like me and you that turned Garvey in. And he got, you know, he got deported and stuff, you know. Du Bois had his problems with him, but he learned later on. And he apologized to him. But, you know, sometimes the apology is too late. It could be too late, you know. You know, it's, it's damage is done already. That stuff. Yo, you see a big and it's a tale, a sad, sad story, but it's as old as slavery. Sometimes your own enemy, the worst one, look like you. You know, we have a lot of enemies hiding in plain sight. We have white people just doing all this shit to us, but because they're democratic, we, we love them. We feel like they have to lead everything, and they really fucking don't. 
I'm telling you, it's scared, you know, when we recognize our power. That's why they keep us in poverty. And that's why they make sure our schools look like jails and our internet is fucked up. And that we always have a reason to be pissed off. Because mm -hmm. tell them I lie. Tell them I lie. They do all this shit on purpose. And Marcus Garvey saw that. And he kept trying to tell people, his own people, instead of turning the knife on each other, turn on the real enemy. Figure out how to help each other. And he never say change this one, change that one, right? This is not about that, right? This is about recognizing that we are stronger together. And when you sit there and you buy into these white lies and you let them ease into your space and then remove your people and white it up like white out, right? And now they're representing your cause more than you. What's the problem there? Speaking truth to power, there's no question. But it's sad today because the again, the conscience is gone, but they got their pockets loaded. <laughs> loaded. Facts. That's why Straight I, facts. You know, you, you know, Elijah Muhammad said it well. And by the way, people forget Elijah Muhammad was in Madison Square Garden. He was Elijah Poole. He was a, he was a Baptist minister. That one. That's why the Nation of Islam's their, their program is, is like a, is a Garvey program, their platform. And he was there at the Garvey. His name was Elijah Poole. And like he said, start with the believers, man. You you get like I said, start with the believers. That's what you start with. It may start on one or two, but they'll they'll get they'll get bigger. That's that's the whole thing. Like, don't rely on them. We need to be more empowering and supportive of each other, right? All this shit we doing. Remember, we were all groomed to do that. We all grew up seeing the white people taking the lead roles and being the best version of everything on media. They use the media to control your mind. The day you wake up and realize that, you actually wake up and learn something, right? They decided how you should live, and they piss you off enough so that by the time you want to do something else, you're pissed off, you're tired, you're this, you're that, you're snappy with everybody, all kinds of shit like that. That is all done by design. Before we close out, Manny. Yes, yes. Um, I appreciate all the uh, words of encouragement and support, of reinforcement. Um, and they will forever mean the most to me, uh, more than anyone can ever imagine. Um, and I simply want to tell everyone uh, that on this day that we are uh, remembering a man who was ahead of his time, an exceptional man who believed in being proud of who we are, proud of our culture, proud of you know, uh, uh, being comfortable in our own skin, right? Uh, a man who was so, so ahead of his time. Um, I want to remind people that there are always individuals like that in this world. Um, they have come and gone all throughout history, right? People who had ideologies and beliefs and really, really great 
purposes uh, that were ahead of their time. Uh, but we thank those people, we commemorate them, we remember them because their sacrifices, their beliefs, their teachings, their lessons uh, help us today in doing what we do uh, right now. <laughs> and so I, um, I, I simply want to reiterate uh, that I will continue doing what uh, I believe is right. I will continue fighting for what I, I think is real equality and equity and justice. Um, like Marcus Garvey, like Martin Luther King, like Malcolm X and so many other leaders uh, who didn't do this uh, for the recognition, for fame, um, I don't either. Um, I, I only hope to be a tenth of a person than those amazing individuals were. So I thank you all for your support. Uh, keep doing what you guys are doing for those who are listening. Believe in yourself. Believe in your power to do just as good as they did. Uh, and we'll see you next time. And don't forget our Latino brothers, our Bezos Campos, and the leader of the See, you trying to start it all, Ed. You talking, <laughs> you, you bringing it all. Pedro, Pedro Abiso's Campos. Don't, we can't forget. This is like a Latino show, right? Don't forget them. The leader LeBron. That's right, <laughs> Manny. You hearing what he's saying? Don't forget that. Oh, yeah. This is what I keep saying. Absolutely, yeah. Abiso Campos, yeah. Beautiful, amazing, amazing man from Puerto Rico who fought for Puerto Rico. Absolutely. What he's telling you, Manny, is that's your trajectory. And I don't give a flying fuck who's telling you different. We see you. You hear me? We see you. And we will do what we need to do to empower, protect, and support you. Right? Because that's what we need to do as the older heads. So here's another one before we go from our friend Marcus, the leader that, you know, to this day, he still matters. If we as a people realized the greatness from which we came, we would be less likely to disrespect ourselves. I can't thank you all enough for your continued support, encouragement, and solidarity. Thank you so much for liking, subscribing, and sharing the podcast. Please continue to do so. We really appreciate it. Your support matters, and you matter. And we'll all be here to cheer Manny on when he announces he is the president. That's all for now. CJ here. Fist up. Smile on.